It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from Journal.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 56 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. It's Friday and I'm really excited. It's the only day you actually let me out of that dank basement cell. I can say goodbye to the hay and actually sleep in a bed for a couple of days before Monday rolls around. And guess what? You send me back down to the dungeon. Back down to the dungeon. That's what happens That's during the That's where you belong. Some people think that. That is true. <laughs> I can't deny that. But needless to say, I'm a little excited for being out and actually seeing some sun. We're kind of past some of the rain here that's been happening, and it is good news. As you could tell by my extremely stuffy nose today, it's been a bit windy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just holding your nose. You know, I sound stuffy on a regular basis. That but, you do. But today, it's even worse than normal. Yeah. And then we're going to be having our first guest coming up, our first real live guest, in a couple of weeks or so. And you're probably going to be stuffy then, too. I'm always stuffy. You're supposed to put on your best behavior for guests, and then you're going to be coming off like, you know, Beaker. <laughs> <laughs> the Muppet Beaker. That's who you are. I live in a world of being stuffy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we are going to have our first guest coming up, and I'll go ahead and share that with everybody next week and get you some of the dates, but didn't want to start teasing that now. Or maybe I did, actually, because I mentioned it. So it'll be fun, and he's a regular contributor, at least on social media and stuff, and has some really good, well, he has a really good understanding of the pirates and pirate culture and all that fun stuff. And so he brings stuff that Heather lacks. I myself am, you know, in my own mind, educated at the University of the Self taught <laughs> for antiques, arms, and armory, for pirate culture, for history. So all of these things that I am really an expert at. And then Heather over there, she's just really there to, to hang out. But we'll have somebody else to compliment me and then be able to bring some of that knowledge that I have that I don't always like to share then he will actually be able to share that. That way I don't come off as a know-it-all is, is really where I'm going with that. So we're actually going to have somebody on that's not going to be just making things up Arr! as they go along? That's true, yes. But I will probably have to give them some pointers ahead of time that we all have to make fun of Heather is our goal. And so maybe <laughs> really? I'll give them some pointers on how to do that. <laughs> that way it really keeps oh, things going. Really? It's a bit ridiculous. Let's just get going. Maybe we should just get going with a minute. <laughs> Considering we're... Two minutes in now, and... <laughs> in the previous minute, we leave the three tavern amigos to head on over to the Black Pearl. A full moon, clouds, tattered sails, and yes, a dinner made for a king, or governor, or perhaps a governor's daughter. It's complete with candlelight, silver platters, and everything you can imagine to complete a true scallywag Thanksgiving. Let's all give thanks to our pirate brethren. Minute 56 begins with Elizabeth Swan taking a careful bite as Captain Barbosa stares longingly at her. Barbosa, watching the pomp and circumstance, chimes in. 
There's no need to stand on ceremony. No call to impress anyone. You must be hungry. Elizabeth responds by grabbing a turkey leg and diving in. The minute ends with Elizabeth saying to Barbosa, Then release me. You have your trinket. I'm of no further value to you. Barbosa responds by pulling the confiscated medallion from his coat pocket and holding it to Elizabeth. He starts to say you dot dot dot. And the minute ends for the weekend. Now everybody is just going to be holding on saying a dot 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 on the weekend. Blasphemy. Arr, I mean. Walk the plank. Any of our good pirate exclamations, if you want to call it that. We're all hanging from the mass. Well, this isn't Monday. This isn't pirate word or phrase of the week. No, we're hanging from the mass. We're all, you know, hanging on because you said you dot dot dot. So we're all hanging on. I know. <laughs> I can't believe we got to explain this stuff to you. I was explaining to you that it's the pirate word or phrase of the week because you brought in some pirate stuff. Yeah, but ours is Bildrat, remember? That Bildrat? is Bildrat. That it is. That is true. Your pirate name of the week, Bildrat. <laughs> Man, this is already taking a turn for the worse. Good no. thing it is Friday. <laughs> I mean, we should start off by actually saying that this was the first scene that was filmed for Kieran Knightley and Jeffrey Rush. Actually, for the entire movie, it was the first scene that they filmed. Right. This dining scene here is where it all started in a studio in Los Angeles. And now here we are today in the San Francisco Bay Area, not dining on food like that. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to dine on that food. You want to have some of that food. We all know oh, it. There's fish heads. It's okay. A little, little piggy head. I'd like the whole scene. It'd be cool that, to have a room like that where you could just have this cabin like they have. This cabin that's built on hydraulics and it's gently rocking back and forth to simulate like the movement of the ocean and the black pearl sailing. It'd be cool just to have lit candles in there and candelabras <laughs> that are sliding back and forth. That'd be pretty yeah, sweet. Yeah, and the plates. He's pouring the wine and the wine's kind of going I know. He's a professional at that. Yeah, he wasn't even looking. Did you see that? Of course. He's just yeah. all, you know, pouring it along. It's he's like he's, looking he's at just so used to the way that the ocean moves, he's able to just move his hand and knows where the the goblet is or yeah. the tankard or whatever. Actually, what was it? A wine glass? I don't, it's a wine like glass. Like a kind of a goblet thing. Wine glass? It's a wine glass. It's metal, but it's a wine glass. As we were talking about, there's lots of nice details here. As you see the candles moving, things gently swaying, and we get some insight into Barbosa's professional wine pouring ability, as Heather just said. <laughs> he's really at home on the ocean. That just is one of those little things. He's a sommelier. <laughs> I thought you were actually going to say Somali. Somali pirate? Yeah, I was like, where is she going with this? He doesn't look like he's Somali. He's a pirate? Yeah, sure, but geez. Okay. Somali, Somalier. There you go. Man, this is going to be a rough one. Just hold on, everybody. You should all get your grog if you're going to make it through this episode. (laughs) It's Friday. It's okay. You can obviously tell that they put some great detail into his character by just adding that part of the scene. I don't know if it was ad-libbed or if he meant to do that, but it's pretty cool because you really do get the sense that he lives on the ocean. He knows exactly how the ship moves, and he's going to go for it. Yep. There's a couple of things with this behind the, or I guess I should say that there's a couple of behind the scenes things here too. I was listening to Kara Knightley talk about this and she was actually talking to Jack Davenport about this who plays Norrington. And she was saying that a lot of people got seasick when they were doing this filming thing because it was rocking back and forth and was actually simulating the ocean that they were getting seasick or motion sickness. Well, and then they gave everybody Dramamine, but they didn't make sure it was the non-sleepy one. So everybody was tired and falling asleep. I don't see... That stuff never affects me. The drowsiness stuff. 
So yeah. I, I never, I don't have any like point on that of well, how that really works. That's because I buy you the non-drowsy. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Maybe that's true. <laughs> Damn it! I thought I had a superpower, and you just ruined it for me. I thought my superpower was staying awake no matter what, and now I find out that you've secretly been. Oh, I'll just let him think that he has a superpower. Really, I'm the one in charge here. You're like the mastermind, and I'm just your pawn in your uh-huh. sick chess game. Well, most of the time, the, well, the only times we've, you've really taken it is when we were in Hawaii. Well, I didn't want you sleeping. But how do we know? I thought I had a superpower then. I don't have Man, a superpower. that's a bummer. Sorry. Thought it was an X-Men. I've seen you in NyQuil. Thought it was an X-Men. And it put you out. It didn't put me out. NyQuil? No. Yeah. Now we're going to we off are, the deep yeah. end. Good job. Let's go. The other behind-the-scenes things here before Heather tried to take over the show and do a mutiny on me, Captain Scott here, Kira actually told the producers and maybe the director, however that works, that she was okay with eating anything. And then she seemed to regret it after the filming because she got stuck with eating a lot of cold, greasy meat during this scene. Because this actually spanned two days, this whole scene. And to get the film on that, so... She sat there eating a lot of like cold turkey legs and things. And then she was saying, man, she really regretted doing that. She suggested to any new actors and actresses out there, just go ahead and say that you're going to stick with fruit and stuff because you don't want to get stuck eating some of this stuff over and over again. She had to make a good impression. This was her first day of filming. She was only 17 years old and she was worried that they were going to fire her right off the bat. Yeah, I remember you saying that. I know that she was also talking about that too. Apparently, maybe it's standard protocol or not. I'm not really sure. But at least from her point is that you, after a take or a cut, when the scene cuts, that you can spit out what, you know, some of that food that you're pretending to eat. That's kind of gross though. And so so she wanted to act professional and was actually eating it and swallowing it. And so she just got pretty tired of it. Well, that's kind of gross. Like, okay, I'm going to spit it out next time, and I'm going to make yeah. sure that I'm just sticking with fruit. It's just gross to spit it out. Everybody sees you spit it out. That's just gross. She could have changed the whole scene because that probably the take that was really good. She was pr- just on the verge of wanting to eat that apple. <laughs> She's like, oh, I got to eat the apple. Forget this other stuff. She's like, screw if it's poison or not. I'm just going to eat it. Since we're talking about all the setting things up and the production set, we also have the music as well that's underscoring Elizabeth's dinner with Barbosa and it's actually appropriately titled Barbosa is hungry that's actually the name of it Oh seriously Yeah the track starts with a beautiful and calming theme and then it drops into this quiet and creepy tune so anything usually that we've seen so far with say the Black Pearl or the Curse Crew usually delves into something that's a bit quiet and creepy at some point Right Speaking of this cabin here you know it's actually a studio like a radio studio in LA Oh, that's I don't remember weird. what the call numbers were, but yeah, they set it up in a radio was studio. Was it a radio or a news station, actually? Oh, maybe is it news station, maybe? Yeah, so it may have been yeah. a news studio. Yeah, but I found that kind of interesting that yeah, they would set strange. it up in something like that. Yeah, you think, I don't know what the deal is with that, or why, maybe they had an extra soundstage or, or what was available. That's kind yeah. of strange that they, that Disney doesn't have enough sound stages or something to construct this cabin sequence. Yeah. But they go, knocking on the door at some news studio or probably their news studio and saying, you know, we're going to commandeer this for a while, which is pretty cool because who wouldn't want to drop in on that set? (laughs) You know, the nightly news, it's swaying back and forth as they're doing it. And they got all this kind of cool pirate uh, 18th century stuff going on in the background. It's That'd be pretty awesome. That's what they need to do for the news. If you had a themed news that's pirate themed, who wouldn't tune into that? 
Maybe. Seriously. Then they could put anything on the news. I mean, real news instead of the stuff they you make up. You could put up. the most boring thing you wanted yeah, on there. and everybody would be watching it. I have to say that Jeffrey Rush is really selling his hunger for this meal. Yeah. I can't get around it. It really looks like he's drooling over the meal. I mean, I'm not seeing like actual drool, but if there was like, this is what drooling is without saliva. It's a picture of Barbosa sitting here at this table watching this happening. I mean, he is really enjoying watching Elizabeth eat this meal. Uh, enjoying it a little too much. <laughs> when she first takes that first bite, that little tiny piece of meat, he's actually looking is that a at her. <laughs> <laughs> he is all- It's Friday, sorry guys. <laughs> he's almost orgasmic here. I knew that's where she was going, so it was appropriate that I jump started. Exactly. That. You know, he even lets out this little sound. That's like, oh. yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, okay, you're you're a little overboard there. <laughs> I think he's living vicariously through her, and he's sh- and he's also shoving things her way that he wants to taste. Yeah. It's like, here, try the wine next, or try the apple next, and then you even got the monkey that gives Elizabeth this look, like that's a delicious looking apple. Uh huh. He wants the apple. Yep. And you can't get a monkey to really act, I don't think. That's just his expression. He really wants that apple. I think he did. How long did... I mean, we've looked up the Humane Society stuff, so they obviously are treating these things well. But that monkey has obviously been starved for three or four days and then gets this apple. Either that or the cut scene is they're showing it something that it really just loves. That's what I was going to say. It's not necessarily the apple. Yeah, the cut scene is the most delicious thing yeah. that it could ever imagine. And they showed it's like, woohoo, here it's you go. Most favorite food is yeah. be off screen that you can't see. And he's just like drooling yeah, he is over drooling it. Over. Yeah. So for this scene, he really wants the apple. He is longing for the apple. Yeah. And Barbosa wants any kind of food whatsoever. Well, or we don't drink. have, yeah, we don't have all the details yet of why this is going on. And that'll be coming up here shortly, actually, next week when we get all the details about what's happening here. But you can see the hunger in his eyes, and that's just for eating and enjoying the meal that he sees Elizabeth doing. Yeah. Speaking of hunger. That's me with Thanksgiving, actually. I'm just like... I wanna, <laughs> I just, you want to be sitting at this I table don't know. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I am, it, it makes me hungry seeing all that. It doesn't mean that's weird. It's like but the There's whole, just too many heads, and the way she's eating that turkey leg is just... That's something I want to talk about later. It's just not... I definitely want to talk about her. It doesn't look good. It looks like hunger. it's cold and it just looks, yeah. I don't know. I It's something appetizing to I, me. I don't, I don't find it that way. It's just, maybe it's all the the food everywhere that's just maybe. being put on the table. You like it just a lot reminds, of food. just reminds me of Thanksgiving. like Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner or just something like that. Yeah. And I would like to be sitting at that table. <laughs> Easter's coming up. Not after what we heard about the bathing, though, and how they maybe prepped and didn't bathe. So I'm not really sure about the pirate actually making my food. (laughs) And I'd want to make I definitely need one of those meat thermometers to make sure that it's actually at the proper temperature because (laughs) I would be walking out of there with a disease for sure. (laughs) I mentioned the apple, too, and that's actually when Elizabeth chimes in. And then she really loses it, actually, because she's really enjoying this meal. Or she's yeah. not really enjoying it. She's just hungry Chowing for it. Chowing down? Yeah. So I think it's not necessarily enjoying it, but wow, it's here. I'm starving. And the apple is like the one step too far 
with all this going on. She thinks he is poisoning her. That or she thinks she's Snow White. <laughs> that the same thing? Or she's going to go to sleep? <laughs> because she thinks the apple's poisoned. That's right. We get a hint of the curse as he says that there will be no need for killing you when she asked about that. Yeah. Or something to that effect, I think it is. And then he yeah. pulls out the medallion from his coat pocket and... Really, the writers are teasing us and doing this slow reveal stuff that we've talked about before on the specifics of the curse. So they're kind of drawing it out. And he really does kind of a cool scene with pulling that medallion out and just holding it up. And right. we're actually going to see a continuation of that in the next minute as well. Yeah. But you talked about Snow White. So that's actually a perfect segue to what I wanted to talk about, too, was some of that Apple stuff. Because it really is quite the symbol. And you know I'm all about the symbols here. Yep. When I actually started Pirates of the Caribbean Minute and breaking it down... I didn't really know where I was going to go and how much symbolism was actually in the movie or that the writers put in the movie or that I imagine is in the movie. <laughs> That's where I was it's going. Probably, <laughs> it's probably a combination of all that stuff. It really has a lot of layers and has a lot of messaging that maybe is good or bad. When people are going there to just actually have some good old swashbuckler pirate fun and then they're all coming out all pissed off that, damn it, I got a lesson in greed. What are all these symbols? Damn that Pirates of the Caribbean minute. I can't go see the fifth one. That guy's going to ruin it for me. I'm going to be looking for symbols and stuff. So if that does happen to you, remember, blame Heather and send all your hate mail. I'm not the one looking for symbols. I said send all your hate mail to Heather. You mentioned Snow White and this whole apple scene and the, the symbol that has the Snow White, the apple, and all that kind of stuff. That's probably everybody, at least modern person's interpretation of what the apple is Uh is comes from snow white and their reference point and it's interesting because disney was also the maker of that so they really have something with apples at least that they're carrying over from maybe their other movie or reference back to snow white and because of that i think every one of us was on elizabeth's side when we saw that apple like oh he's trying to poison her do something with that when we first saw it Thanks, Snow White. (laughs) yeah because disney told us that the vessel that you give to some unsuspecting nice lady is an apple. <laughs> we have become accustomed to that, and that's our reference oh. point. So don't take an apple from somebody you don't know. Oh, that reminds me. I do. I got an apple for you later. <laughs> also got a one-way ticket to Hawaii. For me? Thank no, you. No, life insurance. Yes. <laughs> Apples have been used, actually, in many popular legends and stories as both a symbol of good, you know, kind of that love, youth, beauty, and then in the part that i'm most connected with the evil the sin the lust and the discord he is most connected with so that. like the movie we have the light and dark side here in the studio i'm the dark side and you heather are the young luke skywalker the light side the force may be with you forces with me not with you <laughs> oh i got the dark side you guys start talking like a <laughs> dark <Vader. laughs> I think both ideas of good and evil work well with Barbosa, though, in regards to the apple symbol. You know, we'll probably need to tackle some of this as we move along in the minute and not necessarily this minute, but maybe more minutes down the road and we get more insight about the curse. So for now, probably just hit on the evil side of things with the apple. But it's something to keep in mind is that this apple, this symbol of life, health and even death and rebirth is really a running theme that we'll see in the movie from now on, moving forward. So it's something to keep in mind. 
just as you're watching. Because everybody out, out there is watching it one minute at a time with us. Yeah, it's... A, no, but I want them to... Because this is like oh, classes okay. in session. If they keep going, then they're not going to do it until that day. So they need to kind of think about it. Because everybody okay. out there is writing and taking notes. Okay. And then we're all going to get together at the end. We're going to have like a big conference and we're going to share each other's notes. But they need to keep an eye for, out for it. It is something that's really cool that carries on through the whole scene. Well, the, the whole movie, movie with yeah. this apple. So for our purposes here with the apple, and I said the evil side or the dark side, it really is intricately linked with desire and lust. And the plot point of greed and the curse is really what we find here in this movie, Curse of the Black Pearl. However, love and beauty is also a temptation and our strong passion to possess that love or beauty can quickly turn into lust and obsession, Heather. It's also strongly associated with the occult, which is more me. When cut through, say, its equator, and this is some cool stuff I found on the occult. Okay, actually, I already knew this because I was just looking in my my notes that I took when I was trying to create that voodoo doll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah! I knew something was poking at me. Yeah, exactly. Whoa, is that a euphemism? <laughs> no. Oh, calm down over there. Actually, so yeah, the apple and the occult, I did some looking up for how the apple worked in with the occult. And when cut through its equator, I found the apple has a near perfect pentagram shape inside with each point containing a seed. And hmm. it's also found in the legend of Excalibur and Arthur, you know, King Arthur, yeah. Excalibur, the sword, sword and the stone stuff. And this plays into our curse or the skeleton aspect of things here because of the whole occult thing. So it really is some interesting play out with the apple that most people I don't really think of an or apple. most people don't really think of an apple in the occult. And at least I didn't. Until I saw this, I thought of it, okay, that's a vessel for poison, but not necessarily expanding that. It's not surprising, though, that Elizabeth thought the apple was poison. I mean, his passion for the food and pushing things on her gave her really this weirdo vibe. <laughs> and then she jumps on the idea that, you know, he's going to poison her. And I thought, I wonder if that's really a reference to Snow White, actually. Because Snow White isn't a Disney incarnation. They took that and they ran with it and made it Disney. Oh, you said it was German, right? Actually, for Elizabeth, the reference point of the apple and being a poison apple would not be from Snow White since it was a Brothers Grimm idea or story from the 1800s, which would come after right. what we see here. But maybe it was from the death of Arthur or Le Morte d'Arthur, which was published in 1485. And that was book seven of Sir Lancelot and Queen Guinevere. And an apple was used to poison and kill a knight. Huh. It was actually supposed to, I think, poison Arthur or Guinevere, one of those, but somebody else ended up eating it and dying. Well, they had that... to test the food first. <laughs> no, I don't think that's what it was, but oh. I actually haven't read it. So that is actually probably where that whole idea of a poison apple came from, is from this King Arthur Sir Lancelot Guinevere storyline is where Elizabeth would have picked it up. That's my guess anyways. Okay. Now we can get at the hell out of symbology here and something that everybody wants to talk about is Elizabeth the voodoo eating? doll I have of Heather. No, okay, anyways. it's Yeah, it's Elizabeth and her hunger. She's like a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> She's like a wild animal. I mean, did you see her? The plate of bread is sliding across the table away from her. And she puts her hand out like this. Her paw? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's got her paw out like this bear. And she goes, whoosh, and grabs the bread as it's sliding away and shoves it in her mouth like she hasn't, hasn't eaten in a week. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Why is she so ravenous? I have no clue. Maybe another theory we'll have to work on is she... You got a, a cracking voice? I did. I almost died. <laughs> 
I was so hungry, I was becoming ravenous myself <laughs> thinking about this. <laughs> is she a werewolf? The full moon, yeah. she's about to turn. She's like, I need the strength to turn. I mean, seriously, what is it? I was going to say, I had the same thing in my note. It appears she hasn't eaten in a week. Yeah. I mean, she digs into that turkey leg like there's no tomorrow oh, here. Oh, like, like an animal. And Barbosa gives her the green light to forego the usual social conventions and table manners. That was just like, thank God, because I'm dying. So I just want to know why. Why do, Why is that? I don't know. It's only It has to only be like 24 hours, if that, right? That's what I was thinking. So just based on the timeline, it appears maybe all this stuff actually happened in 24 hours or less. And I'm not really sure why she would be so hungry. Because we have the pirates that invade Port Royal at night, or it's the early morning. Then we have Jack and Will still the Interceptor and arrive in Tortuga that night. We then cut to the Black Pearl, presumably that same night where they are in the Faithful Bride in the bar, right? In the right. tavern. So that's just all one day, right? And I think that's one day. Will yeah. runs to the Fort Charles and tries to convince yeah. Norrington to go talk to Jack. He doesn't do it. He goes to the, the jail cell, gets Jack out. They run and steal the Interceptor. Boom, they're on board and they're sailing in the day or the late morning. Uh-huh. And then they're in Tortuga at night, uh-huh. walking the streets. They're in the tavern. And then we cut to the Black, the Black Pearl. Pearl sailing with a full moon at night. I'm assuming this is like, say, 24 hours at maximum. Yeah. So why is she hungry? I could it see don't... thirsty if she has anything to drink, but not even to that. But hungry, I'm, I'm just not sure. Maybe it's just for the effect of the show. It's just interesting. So if anybody else has any theories of why she's so hungry or why she's built up this hunger, then you can let us know. Shoot us a note yeah. or all the usual channels, social media, all that good stuff. It's like a wild animal that has But meaning. yeah, my only other theory right now is that she is potentially a werewolf or she's <laughs> affected by the moonlight like we talked about with all these other lists of things that maybe had had some link or people thought were a link to moonlight. Maybe it just causes hunger in 18th century women who wear the corset of death, that they just need all that strength back. I have another theory. Oh, great. So maybe the culture doesn't allow women to eat a whole lot. They just eat a small meal. And maybe she's just used to eating these small meals all the time. And she has all this food in front of her. And he's saying, go to town. And she takes it as... I'm going to go to town. That's possible. She's been hampered by Governor Noring, or Governor Swan for so long. This is her first actual time away from the thumb of Governor Swan and his manners and high society rules and all that. That she's just like, hey, I'm free and I'm going to go ahead and eat all of this. Yeah. That's possible. It's a mystery. We'll just leave it as a mystery. Yeah. Moves the plot along. Something yep. we can't really explain. So we'll go from there. Since we can't solve that mystery, we should probably just leave it be and then we can move along to our Friday segment. And I think everybody knows what that means by now. Well, all of us that are paying attention. So Heather is not in on this and she has no clues to really what's going on. And no, Heather, it's not pirate word or phrase of the week as you tried to slide in earlier. It's time for Really Bad Eggs where we highlight our favorite line from the past five minutes. Take it away, Elizabeth and Jack. Well, the devil's a little black shit, we're really badly. We got the hottest yo ho! Yo ho! Yo ho! Yo ho! I'm fine with life, Bobby! I love this song! What do you have for us, Heather? Curse you for breathing, you slack-jawed idiot. No, that's lying. I don't want you calling me these things. I'm not talking pirate word or phrase of the week where you come up with an insult for me. I'm actually asking, what's your favorite line? 
I actually have two this week. Yeah, I'm breaking the rules. But like I said before, it's always healthy to bend the rules. Exactly. Get Her- your paws off me, you damn dirty <laughs> yeah. ape. Get your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. I almost messed that up. You did mess it up. I said almost. <laughs> Curse you for breathing, you slack-jawed idiot. We see Gibbs, and we get this. Absolutely love it. You know, he gives us this line, this slack-jawed idiot. He's calling Jack, and then realizes, oh, it's Jack. That's his true personality coming <laughs> yeah. out. That's what he would say to anybody. So that's a good like insight into his pirate character, that yeah. that's what he would say to anybody. Also alludes to the fact that he is probably sleeping in this pigsty or this barn more than once. And it's probably had bucket of water on him <laughs> yeah. because he's really quick to come out with something. So I think this is not just the first occurrence that yeah. this has had. It's got to be pretty shocking to be sleeping in that pigsty all nice and warm next to those pigs and get a bucket of water thrown on oh, you. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> So we're lucky that's all he gave us. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's right. They didn't. They, it wasn't an R-rated movie, so they didn't. Because we all know what he really wanted to say. And my second phrase of the week is, "Tell the captain I'm disinclined to acquiesce his request." Yeah, that's a good one. That's a catchphrase, actually. Yeah. So I don't remember if we. Yeah, I think we probably mentioned that it was a catchphrase earlier on when it happened. But yeah, in the previous minute. Yeah, I like how she throws it back at him, even though it's not him. He's she's throwing it back, but to him. I like the idea that they because it is a catchphrase. It's something that the general public knows and will use. They also recognize that it's one of those kinds of cool, catchy, well, catchphrases. Yes, and so then they use it as again not as just a catchphrase, but as something that Elizabeth can throw back in the face of Captain Barbosa. Right, even though she didn't do it directly to him. She told somebody else to do it to him, but yes. Exactly. I actually had a bit of a hard time pulling something out this week as well. And I didn't choose two because I didn't break the rules this time. And not to say that there's not some good lines by Gibbs, but I usually look for something that has multiple meanings or is philosophical or has some of the symbols and stuff. But this week I actually took a fun poetic route and I'm going with a Captain Jack Sparrow line. The man who did the waking buys the man who was sleeping a drink, and the man who was sleeping drinks while listening to a proposition from the man who did the waking. Say what? That's exactly what I would have thought Gibbs would have done. <laughs> and it just struck me as characteristically Jack. The I'm maybe selling you oceanfront property in Arizona, this pirate doublespeak, linguistically fun line. Gibbs just has been suddenly, you know, kind of wakened by this bucket of water that we were just talking about. I venture to say maybe he has a hangover. Then Jack hits him with the verbose remedy to Gibbs' claim that waking a man while sleeping is bad luck. And then here's the solution for that. It's really this tongue-in-cheek fun that represents Pirates of the Caribbean. It's this yeah. swashbuckler adventure film with colorful, uniquely Pirates of the Caribbean characters and language. Yes, and most colorful being Jack. Exactly. He's just this fun pirate person that we just... You know, he's a good time. He's yeah. a good time in a pirate hat. Happy-go-lucky... Yeah. You know, he can always make the best of every situation, and he's well, just a colorful really be, character. You can't really be mad at him when he's throwing lines out like that. Oh, no. And so it just is kind of cool. Just, I don't know. You got to think about that line. <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought it was fun. So, yeah. yeah, no symbols or anything since I already did that. This was just straight up fun. Well, straight up fun is Actually, what I did is I ended up analyzing every single word in that, <laughs> and we're going to break it down by each word. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we got another hour left of the show. So that's all I have, actually. 
Wow. Yeah, I figured I was, well, actually, I figured you were ready for some grog and we probably needed to wrap it up. Hey, we got the weekend to play with grog. (laughs) She likes to say weekend, but really that's happening all the time. (laughs) Because then other days she'll go, we have the weekdays to play with grog. Oh, we have the weekend evenings. We have the weeknights, you know, everything. She just covers it all. So we'll be back on Monday with Minute 57 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy. Blimey! Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up! The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.